Hello, everyone, and welcome to day 64 of the EC Daily Devotional Podcast. This is Pastor Jonathan, and I'm excited today to continue our journey through the book of Deuteronomy. Today, we are covering chapters 17 through 20, and we are seeing a theme today of the Lord giving instructions through his servant Moses for the people of Israel to make sure that they are purged of sin. This is a common theme that pops up as they take possession of the promised land, the land of Canaan. And we immediately see this in chapter 17. In fact, your heading in your Bible may say something like forbidden forms of worship. And what we are told in the very beginning of the chapter is that you shall not sacrifice to the Lord your God an ox or a sheep uh, in which is a blemish, any defect, whatever, for that is an abomination to the Lord your God. And then it says, if there is found among you within any of your towns that the Lord your God is giving you a man or a woman who does what is evil in the sight of the Lord your God in transgressing his covenant, has gone and served other gods and worshiped them or the sun or moon or any of the hosts of heaven, which I have forbidden, and it is told you and you hear of it, then you shall inquire of it. And if it's found on the evidence of two or three witnesses that someone has worshipped the Lord in a forbidden way or has worshipped other gods, the word of the Lord says that they shall be put to death. And the hand of the witnesses that witnessed against them would be the first to raise their hands to stone them. And it says at the very end of this portion of the chapter in verse 7, so you shall purge the evil from your midst. We pick up this theme. And then the theme continues along as we see the the legal process that God put in place when cases couldn't be decided on a very local basis, just kind of like in American society today. It might go to a a state court and then ultimately the Supreme Court. And if cases like this in Israel's time could not be settled at the local level, then it would rise to the place of the judges who would sit over different cases that require a, a very important decision, such as a homicide. And the Lord instructs through Moses that whatever the decision the judges made, it was to be followed. Once again, in verse 12, it says this, the man who acts presumptuously by not obeying the priest who stands to minister there before the Lord your God or the judge, that man shall die. Why? So you shall purge the evil from Israel. So again, we're seeing this theme of purging. Chapter 17 closes by God giving the parameters for if Israel would want a king. And if you remember back to our first and second Samuel series, there is a time where Israel looks around at surrounding nations, just as as it was prophesied here by Moses, uh, given this understanding from the Lord, that Israel would look around one day and desire a king. And God seeing that says, okay, here's what needs to happen. You may indeed set a king over you, is what he says in verse 15, whom the Lord your God will choose one from among your brothers. So this be a king from Israel. 
Only he must not acquire many horses for himself or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses. So this is a common way to basically understand uh, this would be someone who, or a kingdom that would be, have a great military prowess because of the horses that they have. But the people of God are people who do not have our ultimate trust in war horses, but trust in the Lord. And this, the king who is appointed over the people of Israel not only should not acquire many horses, but also should not drive people back to Egypt or slavery and should not acquire many wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he inquire excessive silver or gold for himself. Now we know that Israel's history is headed toward a king like that. There's several kings that follow in exactly what the Lord says not to do. Uh, they acquire many wives. We think of Solomon. Solomon being a, the wisest man to have ever lived, acquired many wives. And what happens? His heart is turned away to pagan idolatry. And this was the warning given here early on in Deuteronomy 17. And then also excessive gold or silver for yourself, not for the nation, but for yourself. And so looking out for you and you alone is not a wise thing for a king. This looks forward to a true and better king, one who will do what is right. And verse verses 18 and following, and we see a picture of Jesus. We see one who sits on the throne of his kingdom. He shall write for himself in a book, a copy of this law approved by the Levitical priest. It shall be with him. He shall read it in all the days of his life. And he shall learn to fear the Lord, his God, by keeping all the words of this law and these statutes and doing them that his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers, that he might not turn aside from the, from the commandment either to his right hand or to his left so that he may continue long in his kingdom. He and his children in Israel Oh, wow. The, what a picture of Jesus who loved the law of God. He loved to keep his father's commandments. He loved to do that. So all that are in his line are blessed because of it. Chapter 18 sees the provisions for the priest, uh, the Levites, those who are in the Levitical line and in the line of Aaron. And what we are pointed to there is daily they were provided for. And we've, we made note of this through the book of numbers as well through the book of Leviticus. Also, this is how God provides for the people who didn't have an inheritance of land. But I love what verse two says in chapter 18, they talk about the Levites shall have no inheritance among their brothers. The Lord is their inheritance. And so every day they were reminded that through the sacrifices that were brought, they were allowed a portion of that to sustain them. They were literally given daily bread. And I I pray that we have that because we are a, a royal priesthood, those who are bought by the blood of Christ. And may we understand that we are those that though we may have nothing in this life, our inheritance is the Lord and in him is daily bread. We go on again to revisit the theme of 
what are considered abominable practices, things that pagan nations do, such as sacrificing their sons or daughters as an offering to their God who practice uh, divination and fortune-telling, interpreting omens or sorcery, charmer, mediums, necromancers, all these things trying to acquire a vision or a word from their little G God or gods. And this is an abomination to the Lord. He hates it. And he says, you shall be blameless before the Lord your God in verse 13. For these nations which you are about to dispossess, listen to fortune tellers and to uh, diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. Again, we see a purging uh, as God calls them to take possession of this land. And I love how chapter 18 closes, looking forward to a prophet like Moses. Uh, verse 15, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, Moses talking, from among you. And we see in other parts of Scripture, particularly in the New Testament, that People had this in mind, thinking about Jesus in, in John 6. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus is the true and better Moses. He is not just one like Moses, but he's even better than Moses. He obeyed all that God commanded him. A prophet speaks on behalf of the Lord to God's people and Jesus did that even better than Moses did. And there's a warning in verse 20. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of any other gods, that's, that same prophet shall die. Friends, when we consider being prophets or given the gift of prophecy in this world, no matter what you think about that, whether that has ceased or whether it's continuing today, I pray you take heed of this warning. Uh, when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not to be afraid of him. And we're told that he shall die. That's a heavy, heavy weight. So when we do speak on behalf of the Lord to the people around us, uh, whether by proclaiming what his word says or whatever you might think about that, let us do it carefully and let us speak what God has spoken in his word, calling people to repentance and faith in Christ. Chapter 19, we see a revisiting of the cities of refuge. Not only are there cities that have already been set up, but as they go to continue possessing the land, these cities will continue to be established. This is a place for those who have accidentally killed someone to flee so the avenger of blood cannot take their vengeance without a trial and understanding what happened. And this is a place that they can go. And what we see at the closing of chapter 19 is an important word because witnesses were a big deal back at this time. Witnesses are still a big deal today. We need not, just because we have surveillance footage and things of that nature, people's words matter. 
And so that's why the word of the Lord says a single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or for any wrong in connection with any offense that he has committed. Only on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses shall a charge be established. This goes on to say that if a person accuses someone falsely, witnesses against them falsely, then they shall have the punishment that would have been upon the person if they were convicted uh, for the crime that was alleged against them. Friends, what we say matters. And I, again, think about the the commandments of God given early. You shall not bear false testimony against your neighbor. And this also reminded me of our Wednesday morning Bible study. We're going verse by verse through the book of Proverbs. And in, in the book of Proverbs in chapter 14, we're told in verse 25, a truthful witness saves lives, but the one who breathes out lies is deceitful. Friends, not only is this a real physical thing that a truthful witness saves lives, to tell a lie would actually destroy someone, but also to witness truthfully about something will save someone's life. We could also see this spiritually. Our one purpose as followers of Jesus is to be witnesses to him for the world around us. And a truthful witness to the wonderful Savior that is Jesus Christ will save people. Uh, let us let us cling to that. The our time today closes in chapter twenty, as we see what should go on when Israel is preparing for war. And there's different things that the Lord commands to happen when they meet their enemy on the battlefield. And when that enemy has horses and chariots, an army larger than them, the Israelites are told they shall not be afraid of them. Why? Because the Lord your God is with you. This This again is the phrase that keeps popping up to remind them. He's delivered them from Egypt. He's delivered them from power, way more powerful enemies than, than they have seen up to this point. And he will continue to deliver. Why? Because he is with them. And when they draw out to battle, a priest, uh, the priest shall come forward and speak. And when he speaks, he shall say, Hear, O Israel, today you are drawing near for battle against your enemies. Let not your heart faint. Why? For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies, to give you the victory. And then officers are to speak to the people. And basically, they're they're saying, if there are any men here who have reason not to be fully invested in this fight, go back home. If your home hasn't been dedicated, go back home and dedicate it. If you have a wife who's betrothed to you, but you have not married her yet, go back home and marry her. If you have a vineyard who you've not enjoyed the fruit, go back to the vineyard. And if you're just afraid, go back. And what a testimony this is for the spiritual life that we are in, friends, is because following Jesus cannot be done by looking back. Remember, he says that we can we 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 cannot go and try to plow the field while looking back the other way. Following Jesus means 
we don't think about what lies behind. We look forward to what is ahead. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. This battle that we are in requires our full attention. It's a battle that's been guaranteed to win. But if we are not attached to Jesus, if we are not trusting in Christ and in Christ alone, we we will not come out well on the other side. We need to be with Jesus wholeheartedly, fully surrendered, and total abandonment of all the things that might lie behind because Jesus alone is worth it. I pray that that helps you today, friends. Let's remember these themes that we see that sin is serious, it must be purged from the camp. The Christian life is a purging of sin constantly until we see our Savior face to face. And let us follow wholeheartedly Jesus Christ as we continue to take ground in His name. No matter what lies behind, may we trust that wherever He leads us, it's worth going because He is worth it. Have a blessed day, friends. I love you. And let's go be the people that God has called us to be.